الحمد لله رب العالمين حمد يوافي نعمه ويكافئ مزيدا والصلاه والسلام على خير النعم وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم نونا تعلم التعليم والتذكر والتذكير والنفع والانتفاع والافاده والاستفاده والدعاء للهدى والدلالات على الخير الحث والتمسك على كتاب الله وسنه رسول الله ابتغاء مرضات الله وكربه وثوابه سبحانه وتعالى praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praise that's worthy of a beneficent bestower of bounties and favors and we ask our Lord most high the eloquent bestower and revealer of the book of his book of the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sahbihi sallam to send copious and unlimited and eternal blessings and salutations upon our beloved Prophet Ali Abdullah salatu azkat taslim and we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land in which we learn and teach and we pay our respects to the elders past and present so alhamdulillah rabbil alameen we continue on the on the path inshallah with with um the book of of al-habib muhammad bin alawi al-aydarus or his name his colloquially name his nickname is al-imam saad or al-habib saad that was his nickname and alhamdulillah he, he was he was one of the um the foremost teachers of quran in tarim and a lot of the a lot of the habib habib kadim and others Habib, uh, Habib Umar, these people, mashallah, they, they learned the Qur'an on his hand, mashallah. So his, his nafa, his benefit, and, and the barakah of what he taught has, has not only spread in, in the lands of Muslims, but also throughout the world from these du'at, from these habib, from these people of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, going to different areas in the world, coming to Australia and New Zealand and other countries, and alhamdulillah, mean, showing us the way of the salaf, showing us the way of, of, of the salaf as connected, on student to Shaykh, on student to Shaykh, on student to Shaykh, on student to Shaykh, all the way back to the Prophet Muhammad Ali Abdullah Salat wa azkat taslim. And the other fadl and barakah of, of people like Habib Saad is that not only have they got the silsila or the sanad the, of the salaf going back in that way, but they're also from Ahlul Bayt. So they jama'u, they, 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 um, they combined the two ahadiths of the Prophet of Allah Sallallahu He said that if you have an issue, Turn to the book of Allah and to my sunnah. And the other hadith says, Turn to the book of Allah wa itrati, ahl bayti. So they, they combine with the, the two of those things that they, they're the, 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 um, the inheritors of the sunnah because they took from a, you know, from a teacher, teacher, teacher all the way back to the Prophet of Allah And they're also the inheritors on the other side from the bloodline of the Prophet of Allah because they're descendants of the Prophet Muhammad Ali So they combine those two things with the favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his divine support and so the, the benefit that we get is twofold in that regard the benefit that we get from, from connecting with these people through their words inshallah and through the, what they've said and through the teachings is that, that prophetic chain in terms of going back to the Prophet of Allah to the Salaf and also that we you know, the, the, the ikra of the Prophet of Allah the mannerisms, the characteristics the attributes the disposition of Ahl, Ahl Bayti Rasulullah who we Ahl Sunnah we don't you know we, we don't get into it that much you know we don't we don't focus on it the Shia they, that's their whole deen basically um, but for us we don't get into it as much and we, we, we kind of brush it off to an extent but we, we shouldn't be doing that because the, the Prophet Rasulullah talked about at the, at the end of times and, and the, the, the inheritors of prophethood and the keepers of the deen so to speak and, and where we should turn to when, when we're perturbed and lost and we don't know where we're going that we should turn to Ahlul Bayt Rasulullah and, and you know there's plenty plenty of examples of, of how they were and what the akhlaq were and, and their character and their attributes and their dispositions the, the one that most sticks in, in my mind is uh, Sayyidina Al-Hassan Allah the son of Sayyidina Ali now he, he had the Really, he's from the Khulafa al-Rashidun. He's from the rightfully guided Khulafa. 
because the Prophet of Allah mentioned in the hadith that the, the, khulaf, the righteous khulafa they're 30 years after my death he mentions in the hadith and this is after them mulk al adud so it's son, the son of the son of mulk it it's becomes like a monarchy and Sayyidina al-Hassan he was only 6 months he was, he was a khalifa actually he was a khalifa after Sayyidina Ali his father and before Ma'awiyah ibn Abi Sufyan so uh, and the Prophet already Basharahu, he's a Prophet, he, he prophesied that this my son here he will um, rectify or reconcile between two major factions of the Ummah and that's what was happening at the time there was the people who loved Ahlul Bayt and the people who wanted, to, wanted them to be the Khulafa after Sayyidina Ali and there was the people who loved Ma'awiyah and they wanted Ma'awiyah to be the, the Khalifa after Sayyidina Ali and they gave it to Sayyidina Hassan then Sayyidina Hassan, Allah Marda'anhu, he gave it up because he knew the prophetic tradition said that after 30 years after his death والسلام, then it becomes a difference and it becomes mulk adud mulk means a sovereignty it becomes a monarchy literally that's what it, in, our, in our vernacular that's what it becomes it becomes a mo- and he, doesn't, he didn't want that said Hassan because the prophet said that it becomes mulkiyah it becomes a kingship who's king and the king after and that's what happened after that that's been going on even through the Ottomans it never went back to, to what it was like before. It was just the, 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 uh, the um, Umawis and the Abbasids and the Fatimiyin and all the other. So we, we harp on about Khilafah, but it's not Khilafah as defined by the Prophet of Allah. So we need to wake up to ourselves and understand that. So he, Tanazala, he resigned from the Khilafah and he handed it over to Ma'awi ibn Abi Sufyan, who handed it on to his son and his son and his son and his son and Yazid and the rest of it all the way on. So that, that's, that's the characteristics and they, what they said after that Ahlul Bayti Rasul they said we are the Khulafa of the hearts we are the Khulafa of the Prophet of Allah and of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of the souls of the spirits we're the people who show the Muslims how to maintain their deen and throughout the fitna that kept on going that kept on going between the people who loved Ahlul, Ahlul Bayt and they didn't want anyone else and the people who wanted Ma'awi and, and whatever others they stayed away from that the whole time. So Ali ibn uh, Ali uh, Hassan al Hussein, Ali Zain al Abidin, and Jafar, and all the you know all the Muhammad al Baqir, and and all the different all the different imams. They stayed out of that argument. They stayed out of that whole thing because their purpose was to bring the hearts together. Their purpose was to to remind the believers of the Prophet of Allah and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to keep them firm on that way. And Alhamdulillah. I mean, we're blessed, alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, that we have the inheritors of prophethood on, on two, in two, two channels. One from the bloodline, and one from the, uh, from the, the actual ilm that was passed on from, from teacher to teacher, to teacher to student. So, I think we're on point number six, are we not? قال المؤلف رحمه الله سبحانه وتعالى رضي الله عنه وعنكم نفعنا به وبكم it says, so the, the author says, May Allah be pleased him with, and pleased with him and pleased with you. May Allah benefit us from him and also from you. He said, لأن الله سبحانه وتعالى قال إنما يعمل مساجد الله من آمن بالله واليوم الآخر وقال صلى الله عليه وآله وصحبه وسلم إن عمار بيوت الله هم, أه هم 
Afwan. Inna ma'imara buyutullahi hammu ahlullah. And it goes on. So, if you look at the English, it says on page 51 of the new text and on, of the PDF, what page, which page is it? 46 on the PDF, Jazakum. 51 in this text and 46 in the PDF for those who are following. He says, Intend the Imara, and he says 22, the footnote there. He said, Sayyidi Ahmed bin Muhammad ibn, ibn Ajiba al Hassani, may Allah have mercy on him, said in Al Bahar al Madid, the act of Imara of the Masjid is to decorate them with carpets, to light them with lamps, and to continuously maintain them with the worship and remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to establish lessons of sacred knowledge within them and to abstain from doing the, uh, doing anything therein that the mosque was not built for such as talking or worldly affairs the prophet sallallahu alaihi said in a hadith qudsi indeed the mosque are my, my house is on the on my earth so allah azza said that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said indeed the mosque are my house is on my earth and those who visit me in them are their maintainers excuse me <coughs> blessed is a servant who performs performs wudu in his house and then visits me in my house. It becomes incumbent upon the one visitor to honor the visitor, Al-Tabrani. And we, that hadith came upon us. We, we read that hadith previously. Did we not? No? We did? Alhamdulillah. So, that's what Imarat al-Masjid is. And, and as we said, what's the difference between a masjid and a musallah? What do we say about different in the Shafi's, the Shafi Matabis? MashaAllah. So one is a waqf, in other words, the land, the building, it's not owned by an individual, and nor is it owned by, by a group. It's for the community, it's a trust for the community, for the, for the believers, and it always stays as a masjid no matter what. It has to be built and rebuilt and all these types of things. So, um, uh, one of the Muhammad in Masjid Bi'alawi in, in Tarim, uh, when, they, when they built the masjid, they built it in, in, with disregard. And one of the uh, Muhammad, Al-Shaqihin Muqaddam, as he's called Muhammad bin, Muhammad bin Alawi, Ba'alawi, when he built the masjid, he built a wall and he said, no one, because it kept on being destroyed through floods and whatever else, and he said, no one should destroy this masjid. No one should destroy the, the masjid. No one, that's it. I've built it, I've built this wall, it'll last till the end of time, it'll last forever. Anyway, storms came and different things occurred, and the head of, of Al-Ba'alawi, he decided that, you know, the, the, the masjid needs to be fixed because it was, it was falling apart and then no one would let him because of, of what Al-Faqih Al-Muqaddam had said so he waited till they all went to Akambi which Jara it was and he just started breaking the masjid breaking the masjid breaking the masjid until they had no choice but to rebuild the masjid so Imarat Al-Masajid is to maintain the building itself as well because the building is relevant without the building if the building's falling down if the building and, and in Australia in the modern world that we live in it would be putting air conditioning and lights and it would be putting, you know, like if you only go to Canberra, there's the mosque there, the floors are heated because it's so cold in Canberra, the floors, so things like that, they're part of part of the maintaining the building of the masajid. And unfortunately, one of the things, that, that one of the issues that, that we have in, in Australia is that our masajid are impractical. We still think that our masajid are, for, you know, in wherever Lebanon or Iraq or Pakistan or India or, or whatever it is. In the time of the Prophet of Allah, the whole society, the whole community, all their needs, the first place they would go to is the masjid, even Ahl al-Sufa. 
there, were, there was a raised platform in the measure of the Prophet of Allah and measured the Nabawi. And whoever didn't have any place to stay, whoever didn't have any food, would go and sleep there. So, you know, and some masjids even more than others, they're so decorated in Zakharafin that there's no point. They're so decorated in the calligraphy and, and you can't even walk in without shoes or something, without socks and you can't even, you know, it's just, it's like a museum rather than, than a place to service people. And that's fine to do that, but there's got to be offices and there's got to be places around the masjid where, where people can get served, where people can get looked after, where people can get their needs met. And that means social services. And I know there's the mega mosques that I always talk about. So, the, you know, I, I, was, I was thinking there's three and four million. People were telling me they're like $10 million. Whoa. All right, good, build it, but $12 million, right? I'm, I'm cool with that. That's all good, but... What's, if, it's that, if that place isn't basically working 24 hours, right? Woolworths, what time does it open in the morning? Six. What time does it close? Twelve, right? It's a multi-million dollar building. It's, 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 uh, that, that's how it should be. And we've got heaps of issues. We've got heaps of issues as a, as a, as a minority in, in a society which doesn't understand us. We've got heaps of issues. Ladies have got issues. Kids have got issues. Men have got issues. People who are in jail and come out of jail, we've got issues, people on parole, these types of things. We've got mental health issues. We've got issues of, you know, family violence and orphans and foster people and foster care. And we've got heaps of things that, that, you know, we're not being funded for. So in my view, if you're going to spend $12 million on a building, it's got to have those services in it. So the first part of the imara is the outward imara, is the, is the building of the actual building, the mega mosques, if you want. But what's the point of spending that much money on a masjid? Don't forget the maintenance. Don't forget the maintenance on a, on a property that large, right? The fees, the taxes, or whatever else is going along. It's got to serve the people. Anyone should be able to come at basically any time and have their needs met. And first and foremost, some, like first and foremost, someone who's a full-time or a group of people who are full-time scholars or full-time imams that are available to, to answer people's questions. These people, if that's not the case, then what's the point of having a $12 million building? Yeah, I know it's good to do something with what animal, these things. It's awesome. It's awesome. Who are you serving when you're doing that? A very, very small amount of people that come, and maybe their families, and their neighbors. So it's got to be broader than that. And the, and the massage, there can't be a place where people are scared to go. Yeah? There can't be a place where drunks and alcoholics and drug addicts and, you know, whoever else, whoever we consider the, the, the so-called, you know, people who are disadvantaged in our society or disenfranchised in our... If, if it's not welcoming for people like that, if they don't feel comfortable coming there, then who are we building the message for? For myself to say I built a masjid, I'm so-and-so, I've got on the, you know, on the, the director, the, the president, the whatever, the whatever, the whatever, the whatever of the masjid, whatever it might be. Then, is it really a matter? Is it really built? Billahi subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah mentions these things. If it's not ala taqwallah, it's not for the, the, the consciousness of Allah, then Allah doesn't want that. And then you go and you see it. And then, then don't worry about all that stuff. How is the mosque managed? That's imarat al-masjid. The management of the masjid, how is, it, how, how is it managed? Like how can the masjid, you know how many masjid and all these, they're in court fighting over who should, this is like, they're in court fighting over who should control that. The masjid? Are you serious? Are you serious? Whoever is in the masjid is a khadim. 
whoever is working for anything to do with this land is a servant. Is a servant of the community. One time, ages ago, when I first came back from Sydney, they invited me to some gathering, and I was sitting next to a guy who was responsible for one of these charities. And I thought he was like a multi-billionaire or something, you know. I thought, this guy must be somebody. The way he's acting, you know. Then later on, they'd say, oh, he's, he's the president or he's whatever, the director or the founder of that charity. I said, wait a minute. That guy goes around and asks people to give money so he can give it to someone else. He's basically a beggar, right? Basically. But he's not begging for himself. Akhlaq when I was like a chainsaw. Really, I'm not, like, I was surprised. I thought, this guy, like, he must be, you know, like a multi-millionaire, he must have a helicopter, and, you know, he must, whatever, the way he's acting. He's acting like he's, because it's about him. Habibi's being in the masjid and serving the, the ummah is not about me or, or who I am or what I've done or who I went or who I'm, and then you go to certain individuals' offices, they've got photos of them with politicians all around the office. So, you're trying to say that you look at the status, is that what you're saying? Is, is that what you're trying to tell people that oh, I'm a person, I'm using the deen to get status? Is that what I'm, is that the whole, this is about service. This is about, even Khalid ibn Walid, right? He's the, he's the Saifullah al-Maslul, he's the unsheathed sort of Allah al When he went and he faced the Persians, he said, who are you? He said, I'm Khadim al-Qawm, wa amirahum. I'm the Khadim, I'm the servant of, of the, the, the people that I've come with, and I'm their amir, I'm their leader. That's the akhlaq. That's the disposition. That's the state of a person who wants to serve the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not a unfawan, like, you know, I'm somebody, get out of my way, come kiss the ring, you know, I'm something like... That's, that's not the akhlaq of the people, and that's why we end up with courts and, and whatever, and whatever, and whatever, and whatever. Then serving the masjid is having some sort of a vision for the masjid. Yeah? Like, you know, we're talking about these associations now they have hundreds of millions of dollars because house properties have gone up there's no there's no they don't know what the constitution is there's no one year plan three year plan five year plan ten year plan there's no plan for anything and it's just it just becomes nepotism that I'm the president I've got my, my, my family around me what what did he say Mulkun Adul what he said Ali said to Sanan yeah, it's, it's just that's what it becomes nepotism. I'm the president, I'm the, the whatever, the director, I've got all my family around me, I'm untouchable. I'm, I'm maintaining my power in whatever it is that I'm doing. That's not service. That's exactly what the prophetic tradition says. It's exactly what the prophetic tradition says. So that's the Imaratan message. And, and why does no one, like, and then he goes on, he says, classes. Where? Where? What kind of classes? For who? For how? And classes and ilm isn't just about, you know, not just the dini stuff, but we don't even have the dini stuff in the majority of the Nisheshi. They're just places people go, pray, and go home. We went to that one, I forget what it's called now, I went there the other time in Melbourne, and I think it's in Dandenong, Pillars of this Hobby Man or something like that. PGCC. What's it called? I don't know, I can't remember exactly. Mahum, it's got about four or five slots of prayer. That's about it. And it's got like a, it's like a McDonald's, you know. In the middle is the building, the, the masjid, and around it there's all car parks, so there's no issues with parking on the street and whatever else. They've got a massive restaurant in it and a cafe, and people go there and they hang out and they chill out, and that's more like a masjid that suits 2019. 
And then when you go to the masjid, who do you see there, generally? Not very many young people. You see the old blokes. We've got nowhere else to go, nowhere to stakeholders of the community. And that's who, that's who really the, most of the masjid serve. They don't really serve the whole community. Like, during the day, if the masjid isn't serving the sisters, then what's it doing? In the school holidays, if it's not serving the, the, the youth and, you know, university students and all that, then what's it doing? You know, if those things are happening in the masjid, then what, what imara is there? The masjid they belong to everybody. The Mawkufin, the real Masjid, the Mawkufin is there, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, and why I say this is, if you're thinking of doing something like that, if you're thinking of having a, a place, whether it's a Masjid or just some sort of service to serve the Deen of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, keep those things in mind. Keep in mind that the Imara isn't just the building. It's not just the building. It's what's going on inside that place. It's how is it bringing the community together? How is, it, how is the community being served from the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the organization, whatever, the ma'asas or whatever, the establishment that is for the deen of Allah, it's not directly the masjid. Because it needs to love it. It needs humility. And then the other thing is that, you know, everyone's got to be treated equally and fairly. It can't be that because someone knows someone, they get served and they get helped out, and because an average, ordinary, common person comes in who doesn't have connections and they don't get looked after. You can't be like that. There's got to be justice in the way that everyone's got to be treated according... It's got to be just. It's got to be fair. And if it's not, we don't fit into the category of those people. So, that's what the imara is. And he said, he says also that in the... Um, He said, intend the matter of the masjid or the mosque with your prayer. So as to be from among those whose faith has been attested to by Allah. This is you, by this you may be regarded among those who are special to him and will be amongst his people. As the Prophet wasallam said, when you see a person frequenting mosques, <coughs> confirm his faith. For Allah, Most High, has said, no one visits and maintains Allah's houses of worship except those who believe in Allah on the last day. So the, uh, that's from the Tawbah. And surely those, and then the Prophet of Allah said, surely those responsible for the imara of the houses of Allah are indeed the people of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's, that's what we referred to in the Sharah in the Azza that explanation, that they're the people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls Ahlullah. The people of Allah, Ahlullah, the family of Allah, if you like. Because they're doing the work of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They're doing the work that Allah wants human beings to do. And if we, what was the, what was the, what was the du'a of the Prophet of Allah that he saved until the day of judgment? What was the du'a? Every Prophet has one du'a <coughs> that's accepted, undoubtedly. What was his du'a والسلام, that he saved, that he didn't say in this world? He said it? That's it. That's the du'a. That's when we know, that's when we know, are we on the Nahj al-Nabawi? Are we on the prophetic methodology? When our concern, right? When our, 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 our fikr, our, the way we think, when our du'a, right? When our hum, when, our, when we're worried about the ummah, 
that's when we know aura is sweet. That's the, that's the way the Prophet was, والسلام, now we're on that way. When I'm worried about me and I and myself, I'm just always about me, 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 Ya Allah, Ya Allah, which is fine, it's okay. Right? It's okay, we live in an individualistic society, so it's normal for us to be like that. And it's okay. But when do we know we've been elevated to the prophetic way? Is when our hum and our concern, when, our, when, our, when we're always worried and thinking about what? The Ummah. We're worried about everybody else. Because that's how the Prophet was, That was his way, that was his methodology, that was his minhaj. And so, that's the people who are Ahlullah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because that's what Allah wants us to do. They give up that which they've got. They give up that which they've got, even if they're in need of it. Now, that's a high level. That's a high level. We're always stacking and saving and putting away and, and you know, worrying and, and you know, have, accounting for of the things that we've got. And we, we won't, we'll give away the extra, but what we need, we won't give away. Well, a person can't get to the level, can't get to the level until they're ready to give away that which they need. When they can give away that which they need, then they've done what? Yeah, they've done what? It's true they've sacrificed. They've relied on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They've relied on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what Allah wants us to do. And I'm not saying go out and give away everything you need. Alright? It'll come. It'll come. But at least have that to you. Have that intention. Have that focus in life that I want to be from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The family of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the, the, the critical key to that is looking out for others. Looking out. And the Ummah doesn't just mean Muslims, by the way. Alright? We said previously, we said the Ummah forms two portions. Ummah al-Dawah and Ummah al-Ijabah. So Ummah al-Dawah is who's the people you've got to give Dawah to. Who's that? Who you got to give Dawah to? Right? Non-Muslims. The people, the Dawah is basically the invitation, the calling. Right? So that's one aspect. That's everybody. Anyone who was who was born after the revelation to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and he was alive at the time, they're all part of the Ummah. Christian, Jew, Zoroastrian, Buddhist, whatever their, their faith may have been and is. So they're part of the Ummah. If we're not concerned for them, they're what? worried about only myself. Is that the case? And the other part is Ummah al-Ijabah. The, 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 those who, who accepted the Dawah of the Prophet of Allah that's the Muslims. That's the Muslims. So, the other thing that we, that, while we're on the point is, if our messages aren't welcoming for non-Muslims, right? If our messages aren't, aren't welcoming for non-Muslims, then are they really built? Imara. Can we really say that they're established? Imara. So that's something that we've got to, you know, we've got to think about when we're building our multi-million dollar mega mosques. We've got to think about that. We got, we got, that's, if that's not in our plan somewhere, at least 1%, then can we say we're doing it for Allah? Then can we say we're, we're serving the Ummah? Can we say that? So that's, that's the thing that you need to consider, inshallah. If you're going to do something that's beneficial and some organization, some sort of establishment, some sort of group of people getting together to do something that's, that's good in whatever way that it might be. New Muslims, or reverts, or converts as they're called, what about them? Is there a place in the masjid for them? Is there a place for them to, to do what they need to do? Is there thought about them? And if there isn't, then what are we considering? 
What is it that we're exactly doing? What are we, what are we trying to establish by the building of these mega mosques? Don't worry about the mega. And who, who, who is the, in the Mayamuru, who is the ones who build the Masjid of Allah? Man amana billahi wal yawmi So, the believers. Because that's one of the tenets of faith. You're believing in Allah and His angels, the books, the prophets, and the day of judgment, and the destiny, predestination, the destiny, good and bad. So only the believers can do it. Not the Muslims, the believers. They're, that's the next level. And they're the ones who are concerned about that, the ones who have a, have a, have a hum, who have a concern about the, 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 uh, the establishment, the imara, let's stick to that word, of the, of the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Ahlullah. Right? Well, Ahlullah, what does that mean? It means children of Allah, basically. The Ahl, they, we, they belong to Allah. Allah belongs to them in a way. And he says, Ran Abdullah ibn Umar, Qala yunadi munadin yawm al-qiyamati Ayna du'at al-shams Fayukta bil-mu'adhinina Thumma yunadi ayna jirani Fayakulu al-malaika Waman yanbaghi an yakuna jar Fayakulu ayna imara al-masajid Ayna imara al-masajidi Fayakshawna al-nura Wa yajlisuna ala manabirin min nur Min al-nur So the next part is if you guys can, if you guys can share a book and give it to the brothers behind just so they can follow somebody, two people next to each other, otherwise it's too hard. He says, says on page 52, Abdullah bin Umar, radiallahu said, A herald shall proclaim on the day of judgment, where are those who call by the sun, i.e. those who call to prayer in its specified times. And he says 24, the timing the timing of four out of the five prescribed prayers is determined by the sun. The four prayers are Fajr, Buhr, immediately after the sun has passed, Meridian, Asr, late afternoon, Maghrib, and Sunset. So even even the Shafi'i would say it's five because the, the Isha doesn't actually come in until the Ahmirah, until the redness and the orangeness of the sun is completely dissipated and gone through the sky. So we would say, Shafi'i would say all five of them are actually tied to the sun. But it's just a different way of looking at things. He says, and the Mu'adhins will be brought forward. Then he, Allah will declare, where are my neighbors? And the angels will say, and who is worthy of being your neighbor? And he will say, subhanahu wa ta'ala, where are those responsible for the imara of my masajid mosques? They will be immersed in light and seated on pedestals of light. Okay? So, why do you think they have this elevated status? The people who imara, who built the masjid, that means put bricks down and, and dug and all the other things we mentioned to establish the services within the masjid, including teaching, including, you know, helping the poor, orphans, widows, divorcees, the whole bit. Why do you think those people will be placed on a, on a pedestal of nur? Right, because they're doing the prophetic work. Right, they're doing the work of the Khalifa, of the Prophet, which is the same thing. Right, they're, they're, their job is to make the, lot, in other words, the lives of other people better. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to bring people to who? Subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah. Right? Through service. Because that's the reality. Yeah, words are good. Awesome. Words are awesome. Great. Alhamdulillah. But the reality is to do something. The reality is to, to, to initiate, to start, to make things better, to make the world a better place, to feed the homeless, 
to, uh, to um, or feed the hungry and, and house the homeless and, and whoever's got a need. That's the prophetic way. It was called. There was in the time of before the time of the Prophet there was a like a treaty where they talked about increasing the you know uh, helping orphans and widows in in the Arabian Peninsula. It was called Hilsul and it wasn't anything to do with the Deen. And the Prophet of Allah he said, had that been around at my time, I would have joined it. So nothing to do with the Deen. Nothing to do with the Deen whatsoever. So any kind of benefit. So like, like we always say. The Bush volunteer at the, you know, at the, at the um, SES or the um, uh, the Rural Fire Service or, or any of those positive things. People need to see you. People need to be around you. Anything that's beneficial, we I mean, need to be careful about in, in, involving yourselves with organisations that have a religious background and a religious, you know, uh, kind of focus. But it doesn't necessarily mean just because they're religious as well that you can't assist. Just need to know how that stands in terms of what they're about and what their what their uh, the constitution is and what their aims are and what they're trying to do. So it doesn't doesn't preclude us being involved. And and really, really, in my view, as Muslims, all our organisations should be joining with the Catholic Church and the, you know and the Protestants and the Jews and and the, and the Sikhs and the Hindus and the Buddhists and doing something beneficial for for humankind. And, and you know if if we can't Get over that and, and see ourselves as part of the community rather than just our own little, you know, little enclave. Then it's going to be harder for us, firstly, to, to be involved in the community. It's going to be harder for people to accept us. It's going to be harder for non-Muslims to say, yeah, 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 cool, they're all right. We're always going to be seen as the other. We're always going to be seen as the other. Unless we become en- enmeshed in, in what's going on, then it's going to be difficult. So, so those people have a special place for Allah. They're the neighbors of Allah. On the, end, on the day of judgment, they're going to be close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And of all the pleasures that, that a person might have in Jannah, of all the pleasures, and massive donuts and John Munger's caramel chai lattes and whatever, you know, the, the best clothes you could ever imagine and Ferraris and Lamborghinis and whatever else. You, know, you can have all that stuff. There's no reason why you can't have it. Whatever it is you want, women, men, mixture, whatever it is you want. <laughs> You can have in the hereafter. There's no la mamnua. There's nothing. There's nothing that's mamnua. There's nothing that you can't have. It's in the Quran. La mamnua. There's no anything you want. Whatever you, whatever you desire, you can have any desire. There's no haram there. There's no haram. Of all those desires, what's the number? What's the and all those pleasures that one feels? What's the best and number one sensation? To be with Allah Azawajal. To see Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. And He's saying those people that do that, they're the neighbors of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. The neighbors you are. And not Ja'ar, Jiwar. Ja'ar isn't that close. But Jiwar means almost together. Almost together. <coughs> so that's for those people that act in that regard. The, the people that they, they're sincerely trying to make the world a better place. And if they're doing it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whether they're doing it with the intention of da'wah or not is a different thing. But it's of course beneficial to do it with the intention of calling others to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then he says at the end, وعن أنس بن مالك عن النبي عليه الصلاة والسلام إن الله تبارك وتعالى يقول إني لهم بعذاب قلقي فإذا نظرت إلى عمار بيوتي والمتحابين فيه والمستغفرين بالأصحار أصرف عنهم العذاب وفي رواية إذا نظرت إلى عمار المساجد بذكري وجلساء القرآن وولدان الإسلام 
is he says, I set out to punish my creation. And if I look at those responsible for the imara of my houses, those who love each other for my sake, and those who seek forgiveness in, in Al-Ashab, the latter part of the night, that's before Fajr, their punishment is withheld. In another narration, when I look at those responsible for the imara of the mosques, or the masajid, uh, by their remembrance of me, and at the gatherings of Quran, of Quran, my anger is stilled because of this. And in a different narration, when I look at the people who go hungry and thirsty for my sake, their punishment is withdrawn. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this, in this hadith, this hadith could see of course, he's talking about, he's talking about the alleviation, right, of his punishment. When he, when he wants to decree the punishment to come down, what things alleviate humankind? What things alleviate the saqalain, the insult and the jinn? from the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Aham, so he's concerned with Azab, something bad's going on, right? The, the human beings, the ins and the jinn are not following the prophetic, the prophetic tradition. They're not following the orders of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But he, if he looks at those who, who, who build the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and those, uh, and those who love each other, right? And that, that's one thing that, that is, you know, we underestimate that. Yeah? That's one thing we underestimate. We want guns. That's what we want. We want politics. That's what we want. We want power. That's what we want. We want money. That's what we want. We think that, this, that the deen is going to be established with those things. Maybe it's not. It's not. It's established with love. That, that's, that's the essence of the prophetic, the, the prophetic uh, um, uh, risala, the prophetic وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ We only send you as a mercy, as compassion. Prophetic mission. Prophetic mission. Prophetic mission. That's the only reason he was sent, alayhi salatu wa salam. إِلَّا رَحْمَةً لِلْعَالَمِينَ And how can you have compassion to someone if you don't love them? How can a person have compassion for a people if they don't love those people? It doesn't work. And alright, so here we live in, in the you know, we live in the West and we've got everything, right? We've got everything, alhamdulillah. There's nothing we don't need. There's nothing that we don't need. Except we haven't got love. You know? Everyone's always worried about more and more and more material things and I wanna make I wanna be comfortable and I wanna be relaxed and I wanna be whatever. And I'll give you the dalil for it. I'll give you the dalil, the evidence. When say the Adam when Sayyidina Adam was in Jannah, what did, he, what did he want for? What did he need? What was it that he didn't have there? Did he have food? Unlimited supply. Yeah? Water? Unlimited supply. Did he ever get sick? Never. Was he ever tired? Never. What, what did he not have? He didn't have love. He didn't have a companion to love. He didn't, it wasn't there. So he was unhappy. So he was unhappy. And what were the two things that the shaitan 
He, he told him about the forbidden fruit, and him and Hawat. What were they going to get if they ate from this fruit? What did Shaitan say to him? Two things. Eternal life, mashallah, and? Mulkun? Two things. Right? Which is the ghurur. There's the ghurur. There's the, there's the, the ghurur is the false thing. Right? They're the things that, 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 it's like the bait, you know? They're the bait that we take. We, people, right? People, human beings, throughout history, they're the two things they wanted. To live forever, whether that's just be remembered, right? That's what they want. That's what human beings, that's our downfall. We want to live forever. We want to live forever. Cryogenics and now we're doing that frozen and cloning. Still want to live forever, right? And the other one is, in other words, so much wealth that it never ends, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't uh, finish. It doesn't finish. Where was he, but where was he? Hold on. Go back. Where was he, Sayyidina Adam and Sayyidina Hawa? Where were they? They had that already. They had that already. They already had that. But they got tricked. They got tricked by the shaitan, our avowed enemy. So, that's what we're missing. It doesn't matter how, mu- how much we're remembered. It doesn't matter how much mummy and daddy say, Habibi, baby, baby, lovely, whatever they say to us. It doesn't matter. It has to be genuine, real love. And no matter how many things that we have around us, right? no matter how many material things, it's never going to satisfy us. We're never ever going to be satisfied. Ever. And don't use me as the example. Don't listen to me. The story of Satan Adam. He wasn't satisfied. That's the only thing that satisfies us. That's the only thing. Mitaskunu ilayha. To be tranquil. To reach that tranquility. So, what do you think people in this world, the first world we're in, what do you think they're missing? What do you think our Dharma should focus on? Love. Sort of some other like croaky was love. Like you're not sure. <laughs> you know? Love. That's what people want. That's what they're after. That's what they're after. They're only after love. That's what they really want, to, to be loved just for who they are. All of us, no matter how buff and strong and manly and hairy and, and you know, stinky even sometimes we are, that's what we really want. We want someone to understand us or accept us for who we are. That's called love. That's called love. And that should be, the, in my view, the essence of our dawah. Not establishing Habibi, it'll come. It'll come. Establishing the, 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 the halal and the haram and all that stuff, it'll come. That stuff will come. But if, are we seen as people of love in the world? You tell me. We're seen as the exact opposite. We're seen as the exact opposite of the people of love. Exact polar opposite. We're seen as the people of death and destruction. Terror and al Azzawajal. So how's that is ever going? Not going too good. We need some public relations. You know, we need to, to fix up our image, don't we? We need to, what they need to do is they close down and they open up something else. We need to change the logo. Rebranding. Rebrand, that's the word. We need to rebrand. Right? And only we can do that. Only we through our actions, through our dua, when we're praying at night. We, through, I mean, Hajj, how we deal with others. Do we deal with them with love? Or, or we want our rights from them. It's my right. I'm so and so. Prophet said. Allah said. That's not the prophetic tradition. That's not the prophetic way. 
Right, so when he looks at those people, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he comes down. And those who stop through fil ashar, bil ashar. Those who wake up, ashar is just a little bit before Fajr. That's suhoor, you know, when we had suhoor in Ramadan, it was only a month ago, not even a month ago. I know we forgot that we fasted and we forgot to explain the Qadr, we forgot to read the Quran, we forgot that we wake up and, and, and pray, and we forgot that we prayed Tarawih. You know, 8 or 12 or 20 or whatever the fact it was, we forgot. But it was only a month ago. It wasn't very long ago. Right? So those people who wake up at that time, just to awake and make istighfar, nice if you can make wudu and pray. Nice if you can make wudu and read the Quran. But even if you can't, just five minutes, wake up. So astaghfirullah al-azim, astaghfirullah al-azim, Islam. I'm so blessed. I'm so grateful to you, Allah, that you gave me Islam. That's all I really need. Right? Those people, Allah... That's it. He's going to send the punishment. He holds it back. He says, I don't want to punish people. Look who's there. Look who's amongst them. Look who's amongst these people. Yeah, there's people doing wrong, but look at these people. They're the people I love. They're the people I'm keeping the world going for. <coughs> and then those who build the masajid, be zikri. Right? In other words, those people that are in the masjid. Those people that are remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the house of Allah, whether it's through duruf, whether it's through classes, whether it's through the actual remembrance of Allah, whether it's through prayer, whether it's through the recitation of the Qur'an, whether it's through dua, salat, dua, these things. And, Jurasa' al-Qur'an, those who sit in circles to learn and teach the Qur'an, وَبِلْدَانُ islam the young people, the, the young people that, that are in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, understanding their deen, sakana inda dhalika ghadabi. So the ghadab, the wrath of Allah, it becomes, it, Allah's wrath is appeased. By who? Those people. By those people. Do you need an organization, an association? Do you have to be president of the universe? You don't have to be. Do you have to be the director of whatever? No. Mufti of whatever? No. Imam of thingy? No. You don't need to be. Yeah? You don't need to be. They're just mawahir. They're just outward manifestation. Allah's looking for the real people. The real people that you don't know and I don't know. People that look like they're simple or basic or stupid or, or you know, out of touch. Or they're the ones Allah's looking for. And they're the ones that, that keep everyone else alive. Ahlul ju'i wal min ajli saratu. And that's people who are fasting. Yeah, I know we only fasted a month ago. But don't worry, it's winter, it's easy. So easy to fast these days. This is Rabi al Muslim or Mu'min. This is the spring for us. So try and fast at least Mondays and Thursdays. That's when our deeds get taken to Allah as a judge. to look at them whether the Prophet's happening or not. Okay, well, so Allah, wa Sayyidina Muhammadin, wa Ali, wa Sahih, wa Sahih.